0: Well, today is uh, a very special day to a lot of people, but it is uh, special to Twila and I for uh, one particular reason, that is today is our 45th wedding anniversary. Yeah. Seems like a blink, a blink. You know, it was just yesterday. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Evidently, it's not a blink to everyone. You know, they say that as you spend enough, if you spend enough time with someone, you start to become like each other, you know, and, and I'm still waiting for that to happen um, because she just doesn't think like me. And, and, you know, it's funny because after 45 years, I find they'll get in a situation, and if I really stopped for a moment and thought about it, I'd know exactly what she's going to say or how she'd react to that sort of thing, and yet I still expect her to think like me. And I don't know what the problem is. Maybe if another 45 years I'll be able to get there and and figure that out. But it is true that that there are a lot of things, you know, uh, between the two of us as we've gone. I know she has made me so much better. I've tried to contribute a little bit. But, uh, and and one of the things though that she taught me about was lists. And if you know Twyla, you know uh, that she keeps uh, lists, lists and lists of things. She always makes lists. Uh, she starts her week by taking just a, a notepad and, and, and she doesn't go out and buy, you know, these things. She, she makes her own and she'll grid the thing and she'll put lists for each day and lists of things that have to be bought and lists for this and lists for that. And, and when I first met her and when I first even, when we were married and, and uh, for the first several years and I started ministry, I was not a list keeper, okay? I had it right here like a steel trap. Only the prey kept getting away. I don't know what the deal was, but I, I, I finally decided I'd try the list thing. And you know what? I find uh, that it's actually pretty cathartic. You know, there's nothing quite like checking something off a list. You complete a task and it's done and it's whoosh, you know. In fact, on my list, if you look at my, I have a weekly to-do list that I, that I fill out. And on mine, the first thing on the weekly to-do list is Make a list. That way, when I get it done, I just go and I already feel like I've accomplished something for the week, you know? And and so it's all good. And, And I. I think there's, you know, it goes further than that. Today is is Grad Sunday, and and certainly uh, a lot of my thoughts as I was going along, was I was thinking about, well, what can I share uh, with graduates, but also with with all of us? And and so, you know, I wanted us to talk a little bit about this idea of completing things, or or, uh, the way Paul puts it in our passage we look at today, uh, coming to fullness, being brought uh, to fullness. And so there's there's nothing quite like again completing a task. I, I can remember when I graduated from high school, walking across the platform and shaking hands and you know receiving the diploma and doing that. You, you held something. And you thought, I I did it. I, I completed this. Uh, or whether you're in grad school and you, and maybe you get a hood or you're, you're in trade school, and you get a certificate. But there's something that tells you that, that you've, you've completed it, you've come to a point of fullness, you're, you're full of now of new knowledge and new capability, or full of something anyway, and you can go out and, and, and impact the world, right? And so today, uh, Paul's going to talk to us about this whole idea of what does it mean uh, to know uh, fullness? Uh, what does it mean, uh, I'm going to use them kind of interchangeably, but what does it mean to be Uh, complete. Uh, Or another way of looking at that is to ask the question, where am I finding my identity? And so all of those things are going to be tagged together. We're in Colossians, and we're going to be in Colossians 2, 6 through 10 this morning. And and there's kind of three sections to this, uh, as Paul writes uh, to the church at Colossae. And and I wanna take them one at a time because each one of them represents something that he's giving to us, uh, advice, if you will, um, but, but something he wants us to know, a gift from Paul. If you're a graduate today and we, we give graduates gifts or, and they receive gifts, well, these, these are three gifts that we're gonna receive uh, from Paul. And the first gift that he gives us is a challenge, okay? He's giving us a challenge. And so we read this in verses six and seven of Colossians two, Paul writes, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. The foundation of our lives is Jesus, and we build Upon that foundation. In fact, uh, Paul says this in, in his letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians these words, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so, Paul has this this idea, again, that there's only one foundation. There's only one thing uh, that we have to have in place in our lives, and that's Jesus. And oh, how we look for all kinds of other things, don't we? You know, if, if I only had this, then my life would be complete, you know? If I get this degree, if I get this job, if I finally get... A house, if I could only get married, if I could only, if I could only, if I could only. And so we look for completeness, we look uh, for fullness in all of these different areas. But Paul's saying, you know, the rock solid foundation, I mean, true completeness, true fullness is not going to be found outside of having Jesus. He is what we need. So we have to ask the question what am I building? my life upon? Is Jesus at the center of it? Uh, am, I, am I striving to sink my roots deep into him? Uh, that's in, in front of our house. Don't come by my house right now because the, the, the weeds and the grass and the flower bed in front are, are real tall. I'm waiting for a letter from the city. Uh, but at any rate, Don't, yeah, don't come by because uh, I haven't taken care of those. I got to do that before I I leave for Mexico, or when I get back, it's really going to be bad. Um, But this last week, and someone in my life has been reminding me. But uh, anyway, this last week, for 45 years. No, uh, usually I'm pretty good, Lee, but I didn't. uh, Anyway, so. So I decided there's this one little triangular section that, that there were some pretty good sized weeds in it. And I'm, I thought, I get, I better, I'm just gonna pull those out by hand. So this last week I, I laid to that. And, and you know, the smaller weeds, they came out real quick. Man, I grabbed on one of those big ones and it was like, you know, and I could feel it in my back. And finally I, I remembered to lift with my legs and I yanked it out and all this sod and gravel and everything came with it. And I thought, why, why is that one so hard to pull? Well, it's big old long root at the bottom of the thing. And I was thinking in my mind, because I I my mind was going to this passage, and said, that's what he's talking about. You know, when we sink our roots deep into Jesus, then what the world throws at us can't uproot us. It's not gonna do us in. It's not gonna take us apart. And so we need him at the center of our lives. We need to be deeply rooted in him. We need to build our lives on him. Without Jesus at best, we're just building some kind of shadow life. I mean, it might resemble something good, but in the end, it's gonna come up short. And at the worst, we're gonna be tearing life down around us. Now, week in and week out, you hear me talk about certain things like like prayer, how important that is in our lives, and reading God's word, how important it is to get into the word and let God speak to us, uh, through his word, to talk about things like life groups and studies, Bible studies, and those sorts of things, how important that is uh, to be able to, to hone one another you know, in terms of our faith, uh, and even the celebration. We've talked about that, how important it is uh, to be here to, to sing praises and to be inspired and to grow. All of that is, is helpful and a part, not just helpful, but important, uh, I would say, essential, to putting your roots deep, to building on the foundation uh, who is Jesus Christ. And, and so I repeat that over and over again, but, but sometimes I start to feel like it, it becomes like an advertisement kind of. You know, whether it's TV or YouTube or, you know, or something online that you go see and you know those those ads keep popping up everywhere. You know, you, you go down through whatever you know, media you have and the ad pops up. And if you can't get rid of it, you just ignore it, right? I don't even read them, I don't even pay attention to them. You know, for me, it, it's, I might be watching a TV show, okay? And, and I'll find that, that you know, this ad keeps coming up every single time there's a break. In fact, uh, the other day I, I recorded something and I was showing Twilight, and uh, on ours. Uh, when I went back and, and hit the feed, it shows across the line across the bottom of how long the, the movie's gonna last And then it has all the different little yellow spots where there are commercials. And the commercial portions of the thing was one third of the total time of the showing. It was unbelievable to me. And of those, the same commercials just kept coming up over and over and over again. And I think to myself, oh man, you know, so I fast forward through those, especially when you have recorded, that's a wonderful thing to be able to do. Uh, But I worry, that sometimes when we share these things about, this is, you know, you, 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 need, to, you need to speak to the Lord. You need to, to pray, which is just talking to God. You need to be in the word. You need to be in a life group. You need to do these things. And, and I, I'm afraid it just becomes like a commercial. And, and you're kind of like, and, and I mean, I don't want to put this on you, but it's kind of like, okay, hurry up, Claire, get on to the, the next thing, because we already know this. I've heard this before. But repetition is important. In fact, the apostle Paul repeats things time and time again. If you read his letters, you start saying, "Wow, you know, this must be a big deal to Paul because he keeps talking about it. And so time and again, he repeats these things so that we can know how important it is and understand. And so one of the themes that we see in Paul is Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is what you need. You need to build your life on Jesus. And time again, He goes over that because of how important it is. So that's the challenge that he's given to us, uh, that we are to be rooted and built up in our faith, uh, which is in Jesus. He's the foundation. Next then, Paul gives us a warning. He's given us a challenge. Now he's gonna give us a warning. So we read in verse eight. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition, and the elemental spiritual forces of, the world, of this world rather than on Christ. So Paul is saying that there are those who are out there around us who will try to lead us astray, try to lead us away from the truth of Jesus and his teachings. In fact, he infers that these people are pretty aggressive in terms of wanting to do this because he says, they're trying to take you captive. Don't let them take you captive. It's almost like they're hunting you. They've laid traps. You need to be careful. And how do they do this? Through hollow and deceptive philosophy. I remember seeing some time ago uh, a big old uh, oak tree, and it was beautiful, you know, huge thing, you know, looked healthy on the outside and everything limbs way up in the air, nicely formed. And, and one day I was driving by and we'd had a, a big windstorm the night before and, and I saw that tree had just cracked right right in the trunk, just cracked and the whole thing had just gone right over. And what wasn't obvious before became obvious once it had fallen over and that was the inside of it was hollow. It had rotted from the inside out. And I, and I read an article at some point that said that that trees will do that sometimes when they get a fungus inside them and the fungus will actually eat them from the inside out. And I was thinking to myself, that's what these deceptive philosophies can do. They can get in us like a fungus and begin to change our minds about certain things and we can begin then to rot from the inside out until one day we just crack and fall apart. And there's all kinds of then different philosophies that are out there. I, my mind started racing and thinking, well, what are some of the modern day philosophies or ideas that are creeping in uh, that, that push at us from the world around us? And a couple came to my mind just as examples because there's hundreds. Uh, but one is personal happiness should be your highest priority. You ever heard that? I mean, I, I see that in the media all the time. It's pushed on all kinds of level. You know, are you happy? Buy this car. <laughs> you know, are you happy? You know, then you need to do this or you need to do that. If you're not happy, your life is somehow lacking in, in some way. Under this philosophy, then I should avoid anything that causes me pain. I shouldn't have to make any sacrifices or if I do make a sacrifice, only because in the end, it's gonna benefit me. Because in the end, it's gonna make me happier in some way. It's a selfish philosophy and it's prevalent in our world today. A second philosophy, how I feel defines what is truth to me. This philosophy leaves no room for God because we define God by how we feel that he should be, which in the end really makes us our own God, doesn't it? If we're the one that's defining everything. And it is out of then these philosophies uh, that people give acceptance to things like same-sex attraction or transgender altercations and alterations. <laughs> there are altercations. In fact, it's one of the, the battles in our culture today and the battle uh, for the church and the battle, I think, uh, for people in general. Where, where do we land in this? Is it just about how I feel? Is it just about those things? Or is there some kind of objective standard that I can go to? Someone who knows what is right that I can rely upon. His name is God who sent his son Jesus to teach us. Now, hear me when I say this. That doesn't mean then, when I talk about battle, that doesn't mean that we say, okay, we're gonna gear up and go to war and we're gonna go and just you know, hate on those people and do all this sort of thing, those people, on people who believe differently than me. We're called to love them. Not necessarily agree with them, but to love them. We won't win a battle by gearing up with hate. Our weapon is, is, is love. But that doesn't mean either. You know, I think of Jesus, you know, and, and the apostle John in his gospel really pounds this hard. He says that Jesus came full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth, that he, he loves everyone, but he calls them to truth. And so you know, the, the, the biggest example of that that comes to my mind is the woman caught in adultery and they're left standing there, just Jesus and her in the end when they wanted to stone her. And and Jesus says, is there no one left to condemn you? And she says, no one, sir. And he says, then neither do I condemn you. There's the grace, there's the love. And then he says, go and leave your life of sin. There's the truth. Now there's people out there that say, oh, Jesus is only about love. That's all he's about. They need to read more of what Jesus says. We need to read more about what Jesus did. That there's grace and truth and that he is the standard. Another philosophy. I'm not allowed to judge or even debate anybody regarding their personal beliefs. It kind of falls in with that old adage of judge not lest ye be judged. You know, uh, trying to take something out of context within scripture and this idea that, that that somehow you just do your thing and I'll do my thing and, 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 and we, you know, as long as we're not hurting anybody, right? Doesn't work that way. Someone always gets hurt. When we live our lives, our life, my life is part of a giant mobile. You ever see those mobiles? Seems like I only ever see them over a crib or something these days, but but we used to have those those mobiles and, and all the different parts are balanced, but if you just tug on one little part, the whole thing starts to twist and turn and shake. And that's how our lives are. My decisions I make are not just about me. They affect everyone in my life and everyone I come in contact with. So when it comes to judgments, the judgments I make for me affect everyone around me. And in fact, we all make judgments all the time. In fact, the person who says, oh, judge not lest ye be judged is in fact judging, right? And so we can't help it, 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 it's who we are. Judging just means that we hold up the truth and say, does this line up with the truth? So what is your truth? Who is your truth? We only have one foundation. His name is Jesus. We're to be deeply rooted in him. Well, I could go on and on to belabor the point, but you know, there's there's just so much. And 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 I will stop and say that that Paul then says that this comes about through two things. He says, uh uh what's the statement he makes here? That these things uh Happened. he says that they depend on human traditions and elemental spiritual forces in this world. And I thought about that. You know, human traditions. There's this idea that we have and, and, and that somehow human beings are gonna find the answers to all of human beings' problems. We call it humanism, <laughs> rightly so. Uh, but somehow we think that, somehow we think that, that we or somebody, there's gonna be that one person who from all the billions of people who've ever lived or live on the planet today, they know what the right thing to do is, or I know what's right, or I can decide, rather than going to the one who created us and who knows us best. And when it comes to elemental spiritual forces, folks, Satan is alive and well in the world. And he and his followers are trying in every way they can to influence us and to to inject some kind of false philosophy to destroy us. And it comes out in so many different ways. And so we get into all, I mean, politics. There's a reason we don't like to talk about it. Everybody gets in an argument when you talk politics, but, but politics begins to affect, politics is just basically, how are we gonna live our lives together? How are we communally going to get along? And when you do that, then you're gonna have what people believe to be right coming into conflict. And so we have arguments over Things and we call abortion women's health rather than the taking of a life. And we wind up having people who think that, that having sex outside of marriage is just what you do. It's just normal. When was the last time you saw a movie or a show or, or anything like that where the people involved start to become romantically inclined towards one another and they say, oh, wait, wait, but we're not doing anything until we get married. That never happens. It's just assumed that part of the dating process is that you sleep together, that you have sex. I mean, it's assumed. It's even assumed by a lot of Christians these days. We don't even bat an eye, it seems like. And there are people who are actively trying to push that particular idea. And it's it's human tradition and elemental spiritual forces at work that are pushing that agenda. So Paul gives us a warning. I mean, I know I've picked on a couple of hot button things a little bit, but, but he gives us a warning. We gotta go back to Jesus. We can't be taken captive by these things that are all around us. Which brings us then to the last gift that he's going to give us, and that is a truth. He's gonna give us a truth. He shares with us an important truth in verses nine and 10. Actually, a couple of truths here. This is what what he writes. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have Brought, you, are, you have been brought to fullness. Let me say, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority, Paul says. So the first thing here is, is the truth about Jesus, that he is fully God. That he is God who walked among us. Contrary to what some people may say, oh, he was just a man. Oh, he's just a good teacher. Oh, Jesus never claimed to be God. His followers never, you know, they invented that or something and that's baloney. (laughs) I mean, have you read the Bible? Have you read the New Testament? They wanted to stone Jesus because the people of his time knew exactly what he was saying. He was saying he was God. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. He used the very personal and powerful name of God for himself. So that's that's who he is. And he is the one then that can tell us, that can be, I'll say, the Lord of our lives and has complete authority over us and for us. And second, we can only fully become what we were created to become when we are in Christ. And so Paul says that in Christ, we have been brought to fullness. Or we could say, completeness, there is a, and when we think about that, you know, I think, well, do I feel complete? Do I feel full? There's a, there's a now and not yet portion to that that, that is kind of interesting and unique uh, to Christianity as, as we walk with the Lord, and that is uh, in terms of our status with God, we are complete. In terms of our status with God, we are full. Things like, like our salvation, The day you come to Jesus, the day you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you are saved, okay? I've said before and I'll say it again. Uh, The day you come to Jesus, a mailbox goes up in heaven with your name on it, right? You're saved. But as I walk through this, this world, I keep turning more and more pieces of myself over to him and he saves me in those areas as well. On the day I come to Jesus, his spirit comes inside of me and comes inside of you and you are sanctified. You are holy before him. You are set apart. As he looks at you, he sees Jesus. And yet we know the reality is I still have a sinful nature. And so not only am I holy, but I'm being made holy. And even though I am complete, And full in my status, there's coming a day when I stand before him in heaven and the process will be absolutely finished. Complete and full. Does that make sense? No, because I know it's hard. But that's what he's doing uh, in our lives. And so he's brought us to fullness. He is bringing us to fullness. There's a journey toward this, this fullness, this completeness in him. And we understand then that he created us and he is the one who gives us our identity. Now someone asks you, who, who are you? What would you say? You know, tell, me, tell me who you are. Well, I was born here and these are my parents. And we could go into all these different things. This is what I do for a living. This is what I'm married to, these are my kids. We could do all those things. but. But in the end, our identity can't rest in any of those things. Our fullness, our completeness, our identity is found in Jesus, and that is the answer. This week, uh, Twila sent an article my way, which I just really appreciated. It was a, a article that was written, a reporter was interviewing the University of Oklahoma's uh, softball team who, who won the national championship. In fact, I think they won it third year in a row. And, and what's interesting about that team is that most of the girls on it are, are Christians, are believers, uh, and I believe their coach has been a big influence uh, in, in that direction. And, and as the interviewer was, was interviewing several of these girls, and, and each one of them were giving kind of a similar testimony, but she was asking the question, well, you all seem so, so joyful on the field. Oh, you know." and this was before the championship game, which they won, I think, against Florida or Florida State three to one or something like that. But, but before that game had come, they're doing this interview and she goes, how do you maintain your joy? And they said, well, that's easy. It's because we know Jesus. It's because of Christ in our life. And I thought, wow, why wasn't this on the front page? You know, <laughs> it's a powerful testimony. But there's this one player, she's a utility player named Jada Coleman. And she kind of summarized it for the team. And she said, She said that when uh, they won the championship her freshman year, she was so happy, but she said, but I didn't feel joy. I didn't know what to do the next day, she said. I didn't feel like I was filled. Isn't that interesting terminology considering what we're talking about today? I had to find Christ to know that, she said. What makes our team strong is that we are not afraid to lose. Yes, obviously we've worked hard and we want to win, she said. But if we lose, it's not the end of the world because our life is in Christ and that's all that matters. Do you hear what she's saying? How powerful is that? It's so easy to get caught up in other things that we pursue, especially if we work at it so hard. We want it so bad. You know, we think, we use terms like I deserve this as if we deserve anything really. When what God wants for us is to know completeness in Jesus. In fact, let me share with you just a couple of passages again in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, writes this, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, languages, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, when it, but when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Do you hear what he's saying? My identity is in Christ, my completeness is in Him, my fullness is in Him. James said the same thing. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature, be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James said there's gonna be hard times. We don't relish those, but we can still be joyful because we are being made full and complete. John says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. We become like him. We are filled with him. And again, John says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We are filled with it. It becomes our identity. So Paul gives us a challenge to continue to live our lives in Jesus, rooted and built up in him. He gives us a warning. Don't let anyone take you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies. And he gives us the truth. In Jesus, who is fully divine, we have been brought to fullness.